We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding Alrighty, Panthers fans, it is the middle of the summer, the sun is out, it's blazing hot, and boy, we've got a hot show for you today. There's finally some content to talk about. Billy Marshall is back. Hey, I'm John Ellis. Hope you all are doing well. It's the War Podcast on Blue Wire, celebrating one year on this fine network, and we've got a doozy for you today. It's, uh, it's Taylor Moten Day around here, is it not? How about that? Yeah, what a day, what a day, what a day. Um, you know, I was of the mindset that they, that it was going to get done. I was on a podcast with uh, these Atlanta Falcons um, folks a couple weeks ago, and I told them, you know, they haven't gotten done yet, but I'm cautiously optimistic it will. And many people who know me know I'm pretty, like, I like to be pessimistic at times, especially with this franchise. It's oh. burned it's burned us over the years, but you've I just been, felt you've been groomed well by many years of, of low expectations <laughs> uh, of many years of ineptitude. But anyway, yes. so I just, I felt that even yesterday, like in the morning, I was just like, all right, it hasn't gotten done yet because I've seen it over the years where the, there's going to be one player who gets a deal and the way the reporting was coming out was like, it wasn't likely like they're still, they're still talking to each other. So I just felt like, the deadline kind of just pushed them to finally like realize, right. uh, okay, let's try to hammer out the details here. And coincidentally enough, they did. And uh, I don't know why that's the case. I think professionals love procrast- procrastinating as much as younger people <laughs> in college. I guess that's just the thing. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. But I can attest to that. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it happened for the, for not only the fact that he's returning, but also the fact that you have to eat crow because you are sounding very doom and gloomy. Yeah, no, no. And I will, I would gladly eat crow because here's the deal. When, when, when you learn uh, that, that you're, I don't want to say sourcing, but, but sort of the general conclusions you come up with based on what you're hearing through the grapevine are a little bit off in an instant. Yeah. The crow needs to be served piping hot. And I put a tweet out, that uh, I think it was two days ago. And it was, look, it was based on a, a league insider that told me very clearly, look, it's very hush-hush right now. And, and what he meant by that, I think, was, look, 
it's hush-hush on both sides. There's not a lot of communicating at the moment. But, but really from inside the building, you're not going to get a whole lot of details. So it kind of felt like with all these other franchise guys coming up on deadlines too that, that Taylor would follow suit. And with the team drafting a tackle and Christensen being moved to, at times to right tackle at OTAs, there was some buzz that maybe this was you know something they were planning for. Um, right as I was posting a tweet about the financial considerations of that, Billy, just as sort of a philosophical exercise, I see a Schefter bomb come through and I had to go back and just, just bomb the hell out of my tweets and be like, oh, we got to take those off the grid. But no, you, I mean, look, it, it's, it's funny how it worked out because, you know, Joe Person, uh, Lanny Getzberg, all the folks who who are on the beat here, uh, you know, Jeremy Fowler posted about this the other day from ESPN that, you know, things are very quiet and then things may happen, but it might come down to the wire. And it's just rare to see that happen, particularly with this franchise, Billy, because we've become accustomed to seeing uh, this fan base have to watch these type of players simply walk away at some point. Now he wouldn't have walked away. He would have played this year under the franchise tag, um, and then he probably would have tested the market outside of their comfort zone. Um, I was absolutely pleased, if I'm a Panthers fan, at the numbers. It was comparable to Ramchick. I don't think they went over his number. They matched his signing bonus. Um, I know Darren Gant, I believe, was on WFNZ, and I'd heard some – I don't know for sure if Darren said this or not because we, we've seen people misrepresent Darren's words before. Um, I believe Darren had said something to the effect that Ramchick is better than Moten. That's certainly debatable, but I think they're in the same type of company. And I think it's a good idea to get him locked up because Billy, here's the thing. I'll, I'll put it back in your court here, but after this quick comment, I've been looking at tape on tackles like all week. It's been like a fetish of mine here because I'm trying to figure out who's going to play left tackle. And Cam Irving tape, when you put it on, I mean, this guy's a professional football player who was drafted in the first round and has been decent at times, but just looks sluggish and sloppy and bad technique at times. And and they put on the tape of Moten, and he just finishes every play, Billy. He's so crisp. He's got good body control, stays, you know, nice and square in pass protection, doesn't make mistakes. I know it's perfect, but he's just the, the right guy on the right side. And I, I don't know what they'll do if they move him left side or not. I don't think they should right now. But, man, I'm just glad for Panthers fans and for, for Sam Darnold in particular because I think it's going to help him to, uh, like we talked about with Greg Cosell, to get those feet set to, to get his eyes where his feet are and to try to improve. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, this had to get done. And I, like I said, I was cautiously optimistic because, like, you talk about the on-field production, but also off the field. I mean, this is like a model, like citizen off the field. He's oh, a very yeah. like a professional guy. Gets along well with his teammates. He has a, I think he has like a graduate degree, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's a very smart guy. He handles himself very well, and yeah. that's the kind of guy you want inside your locker room as an example to the younger players. That hey, like if you want to really reach the pinnacle of the NFL. Um, for some people, that's winning a Super Bowl. But for most players, let's be honest, it's getting a big contract. That's uh, it. I mean, we can sit here and discuss, um, you know, how players should feel about winning over money. But at the end of the day, if you're winning games and if you're good enough, that means that the money will come with it. So yes, absolutely. Uh, for, I'm, I'm just really pleased it got done. I, I would argue this is the best move of the entire offseason, bar none. 
Oh, well, you know, without question. No, I'll, I'll second that and I'll take it a step further. It's the type of move that championship caliber teams, which Carolina is not at this point, but it's the type of move championship teams make, Billy. How many times have we talked about letting your good players just walk away? Uh, Cam Newton walked away in a tricky situation, and we don't know if he'll ever be good again like he was. So I get that. I, I've come to terms with that. I think Panthers fans have, and I hope he does well. Steve Smith, very different situation. He walked away very much in his prime, and there were a lot of bad feelings about that. Carolina has seen players over the years. You know, Josh Norman in a very good mode in his career get away. And obviously his career did not take off from there, but he was still very good in Carolina when he was here. And this is a guy who I see as you, you hit the nail on the head. He's a Western Michigan guy. He's a second round pick. He's a humble dude. He doesn't complain, but he, he's like DJ Moore. He plays with that quiet rage when you put on the tape and he's a model citizen in this locker room and exactly what you need in leadership. This is what we had talked about weeks ago, Billy. When is this team going to identify the next core moving forward? You're starting to see it emerge with Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin on defense. Maybe Jermaine Carter emerges there a little bit. Derek Brown, um, Dante Jackson, hopefully. Guys like that. And offensively, you know, if you lose Moten, then you, your offensive line has nothing in terms of core value, in terms of Pro Bowl caliber talent and leadership. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to pick on Cam Irving, but again, if you just go back and look at his tape um, and look at the difference between a guy like him and Moten, again, different guys I know, but you just see how polished he is as a player. Um, I'll, I'll put this to you, Billy. What are your thoughts on moving him to the left side? Because I've heard a lot of people opine about this right side dominant. Maybe he's not his best self on the left side. We saw a little bit of that against Dallas a couple of years ago. Um, with that money, do you feel the kind of pressure that fans seem to feel? Do you have to play him at left tackle? I personally don't. I think you pay a guy for what he's best at. But what do you think they should do? And maybe what do you think they will do? Well, I think they should obviously keep him on the right side, and I think they will. I know they were just experimenting with some stuff during OTAs and whatever, but again, those right. aren't those are practices where the contact is very minimal. They're not wearing pads. They're not going doing one-on-one -on -one drills with. By the way, quickly, I'm thankful. Thank you for saying that because you're like the second person besides me on Twitter who's made that point, and I'm glad two of us get it that people are freaking out about what's happening at OTAs. And it's not evaluation season yet, folks. They're just installing some ideas. And when it's reported that you see Moten at left tackle or Christensen at guard or Greg Little at guy, just take a step back and relax, folks. There's my commentary. Go ahead, Billy. Yeah, so um, I'm not surprised that they had him there. I mean, it's good to uh, you know establish some type of versatility. In the odd event, there is a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. Um Injury emergency, I shouldn't say medical emergency. Uh, mm. But no, I think they're going to keep him on the right side. I think the reporting afterwards suggests so. I saw it on Panthers.com. They um, strongly hinted he will remain on the right side. And the same thing with uh, Joe Persons' uh, yeah. uh, column this morning. So yeah, just keep him where he's comfortable. I mean, you're paying him this much money. He's going to, you know, he's number three behind Ramchek and Lane Johnson. That right tackle money, that's fine. You don't have to, just because he's paying, getting paid a lot of money doesn't mean he has to switch sides that, that just doesn't make him effective and you're going to have another issue on the right side 
Um, it, who's going to who's yeah. going to play there? Just you keep don't, you don't a do. very good right tackle on the right side, and I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, it's, it's it's silly. It's mostly coming from fans, and I get that, but some of it's coming from a few folks on the radio and hot take guys, and it's like, look, <laughs> they're not going to do that. He's a right tackle. He's dominant there. If you start tinkering with that, um, you you screw with that investment. And uh, and now it comes down to left tackle, and that's critical too. And this entire offensive line definitely needs to to figure out where they are going to take shape, and that's where training camp comes in. Just a little a brief summary on on what we're looking at for Taylor Moten here. Again, this is according to the Charlotte Observer. Uh, right tackle Taylor Moten has agreed to a five-year deal with Carolina per sources. And this is from Elena Getzenberg from the Observer. She writes that the contract is now through 2025 and is still, he is still scheduled to earn about $13.75 million this year as he would if a long-term deal had not been reached. The total value of the contract is five years, $85 million with $43 million guaranteed. So that's kind of where the five-year, four-year thing was confusing for myself and others, but uh, he's a guaranteed Panther for uh, the next, I guess, five years. So five seasons that would be. And uh, hey, that's a good thing. He's in his prime right now. And uh, look, if Joe Brady is going to want to run some of those 50 protections and they did at LSU and empty it out, uh, you got to have at least one guy who can hold up one-on-one. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad they did it. And as we continue to dive into what all this means for the team, obviously there's an entire thing to figure out at left tackle, but the entire offensive line itself, I was looking at the roster, Billy. I hadn't done that in a few weeks. I was kind of coasting along, enjoying my summer, living the good life, you know, enjoying having some time off from work. And then I I opened up the roster and started diving into the entire lineup here. And I got a little concerned because I forgot that the left guard is projected to be Pat Elfline. Um, Left tackle, Christensen, there's, you know, some chatter that maybe it's not quite time yet, but we don't know. That's still risky, week one. Um, Paradis, obviously, has had his ups and downs. And then uh, with Dennis Daly and, and John Miller, I feel better about Miller personally beside Moten. So that right side to me, if they stick Miller in, I like that combo a lot. The rest of it, though, I have question marks. What say you, Billy, about the, the state of – the line going into camp. I know we don't know everything yet, but what your initial impressions? Uh, well, my initial impressions of the offensive line is left tackle and left guard are big concerns. Um, mm-hmm. he, obviously, they paid what they did for Elfline and Irving, but I'm not very comfortable with either of them. Pretty concerned about the left side. There's a lot of uncertainty there. I feel very good about the center, right guard, and right tackle, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think the left side, it's, it's going to have to just play itself out. I mean, I guess, like, if you're looking for a silver lining, it's that they have much more capable bodies to compete in those areas. But I, I think left guard is going to be offline. Mm-hmm. Just because they gave him that contract, there's probably not going to be too much of a competition. But left tackle, I, I guess, you know, if you're looking at it from a – from a positive angle, then you can say that they have many more capable uh, options that will drive the competition. Now that mm-hmm. some people on the opposite side will say, well, if you don't have a left tackle and you're using all these guys to compete, then that's not a good thing because you're still, uh, you know, that position is going to be in flux. Cause like one right. guy could have a really good week 
and then the next week he could give up four sacks. So I can understand that. That's very much what I've seen in watching the tape from from Irving. And again, I'm going to keep harping him, but I'm taking it one guy at a time. And Irving was my project yesterday. But he had some good games, decent games, when he was left tackle Kansas City. But again, they were scheming up that offense to get the ball out quick for that reason when Fisher went down. I think they knew they had to get it out quick because they had a liability there. Um, but, I mean, he was a first-round pick. So, I mean, I, I, this is sort of the, the theme with Matt Rule, sort of a revivalist type of guy that, look, I can take these things that are damaged goods and touch them and I can turn them into gold. And maybe it's not that simple in his mind. He'll mold them. He'll make them into their best selves. Um, it's the same thing with the quarterback situation, Billy. It's one thing that kind of frustrates me about this team right now is the, the seven-year plan deal with the contract. Uh, but we still are in very much in experimental mode right now. And it feels like that to me. It feels like Tepper is – you never know with Dave Tepper. You never know with Matt Rule, but it's almost like he's saying, oh, you know, take three years, Dave, or take three years, Matt. Take four years. Figure it all out. Dick around a little bit. You don't like that quarterback? Go get you another one. Get the guy you want, Why and then maybe we'll hit the jackpot. I just I, – I had, they had a great draft. I love the process. I – I don't know about Sam. I'm still just I, – I'm, I'm looking at that situation, and I, I'm still having a hard time understanding how did we arrive at the point now where Cam Newton's foot injury led us to Sam Darnold after Teddy Bridgewater. It's just it – doesn't, it doesn't speak of, of a, a consistent type of slow build. It, it just seems sort of impulsive. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of just letting that entire – process dictated itself at this point and yeah. that's not to that's not to kind of brush over your question not it's, at all no i mean I look, just, it, it, it's frustrating but it like there's no real good answer to it so i get what you're saying no i and the thing is like this is what they wanted to do i said it the day they traded for him everyone got mad at me i was like all right they, they're gonna make this move they're not gonna draft fields or lance or whoever fell to them that, that this is what they gave up so yeah I obviously strongly disagree with that direction, but we can criticize the week in and week out <laughs> until like yeah. they're proven and, right or wrong about it. And we should. And that's, that's our job is to hold them accountable when decisions like Bridgewater's contract are made. And then you're still paying for that after releasing them. We all knew that was going to be probably not the best move for them having nothing to do with Cam Newton and having more to do with the tape I saw in Bridgewater. It's just an insane amount of money to throw at him when there's not a lot of market out there for him. You have to factor those decisions in when you evaluate this regime. Scott Fitter is here. Well, I get I, that. I but Matt, Matt Rule is driving this bill. I mean, I've had somebody within that organization tell me point blank, the minute Matt Rule took that job, the minute he did, Teddy was his guy. And it's unequivocally undeniable. This was not a Marty thing. Marty probably drove the cost up just from incompetence. But Matt was always going to get Teddy. And he got him, and they tried it, and it didn't work out. So, yeah, I guess you're right. You move on. But I want Sam to do well. I just think, you know, it's like we talked to Greg about it, Cosell and, and, and Matt, and they have high hopes. But um, he's just been so sloppy. And I know his situation hasn't been great. Um, I, I just hope they can eventually – find their guy and move forward. You need a solid, consistent, sometimes Pro Bowl level left tackle, and you need a consistent, almost franchise level quarterback for a long time to be a competitive team long time playoff wise. Otherwise, you're five, six wins and you're chasing your tail. 
So hopefully they find their quarterback now and get the left tackle whenever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Again, again, I'm not – I guess I'm just at the point now where what's done is done, and we just have to – I disagree with their yeah. process and their direction right. in this, in, with the quarterback position. Um, right. So, obviously, I've made my feelings very well known on that. So now it, it, we're at a point where we just have to see if their execution into that – direction is going to pay off and obviously if it doesn't then we're having the same conversation uh, next spring yeah i i reject notion that you know if this does not go well meaning if they have another losing season with bad execution situationally and the offense does not pick it up a notch a little bit um i think i agree with you in terms of the schematics with brady i like what he does from a design standpoint i like some of his ideas but the entire thing needs to start clicking with a little more efficiency here in the red zone. And I think the defense has a real chance to, to really sort of take over a little bit. I and mean, they're not fully equipped yet. You know that, and they still got some holes, but um, I, by, by year two, you need to be at least sniffing around in the 500 zone entering December. And then, and then by year three, any NFL operation, when you start, I, mean, I know we talked about the 49ers, the way they rebuilt, it was a little different. It was a little longer, but I don't think the design there was to, you know, just tear it down and be bad on purpose. Uh, I, I think it's, it's going to have to be important for everybody's mindset, including Matt rules that a winning culture starts at some point, meaning not just, you know, words, actual winning seasons, because Matt, you know, look, college guy, well-paid. <laughs> if he goes through four losing seasons, maybe he quits. You never know with these things. It's a big year. This is why I say this is such a huge year for them because it sets the table for the next couple of years. Will Sam Darnold translate? Will Matt Rule begin to, to start winning over, you know, uh, not only the locker room in a more thorough way, but to, to get his team to finish games? Um, and can they even become a team that doesn't have to finish games because they – they become a little more dominant in, in the defensive side and they hold guys. They've got to improve. Hopefully they will. But uh, you can't keep winning five games and, and just say, well, you know, hey, the, the future's bright. <laughs> the future's not bright. The owners never had a winning season, so let's try to win, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I did want to hit on the defense a little bit, and I know, you know, the main thing is Taylor Moten, but it's been a minute since we've talked, and there's been, you know, some conversation about – the secondary, uh, I had talked but before, and by the way, thank you all for following my, my new burner account, <laughs> the number one Panther place. Uh, I got slapped on the wrist for making some funny videos with like Celine Dion in the background. Um, but the Jamming Jordan account with 30,000 followers is immune from whatever. I don't care. Anyway, thank you for being on the new account. Uh, on the old account, which we hope to get back soon, um, we tweeted out something that uh, – was sort of telling that a source of mine that we have talked to that is close to the organization had talked about the secondary and that they felt Dante Jackson, and this is Phil Snow, this is Evan Cooper, some others that work in the secondary, had felt that Dante Jackson has the better skill set for the outside corner position, but lacks the tackling consistency to play slot. And they felt comfortable with Bouye being the slot guy. And it certainly looks like that's the direction they're heading in. Um, I'm going to ask you this, Billy, because you, you really study secondary as much as anybody on tape over the years. I've seen some great analysis on, on what you've done. They've run a lot of that three safety did the stuff they ran with uh, the, the Baylor program there. But 
Talk yeah. to me about their their construct with their their guys back there now. I know they're going to have three main corners. Do you do you think it is indeed going to be AJ in the slot? And with Chen, everybody's talking about who's going to play the deep safety. Who's going to play the deep safety? Does it matter because it is sort of a thing they do interchange a lot? Just get, give us some mechanical thoughts on what we will probably see from the secondary as we know it to be right now. Yeah, I, w- I would say to start off that the deep safety position is an area of concern on the defense. I think they're pretty steady with Burris as like the other uh, primary safety, but he's not really a guy that you want trusting deep back there. Right. Um, so it's it, there's going to be, I guess, two different options that they could approach. The first one is being that they could have a lot of interchangeability between their safeties, which means you'll see guys like Sam Franklin. Uh, you'll see Jeremy Chen. Uh, they signed a guy. No, it's uh, – I can't stand oh, by, it, folks. Delano Hill. Delano Hill. Oh, yeah, Delano Hill. That's right. I know that name. Yeah, so sorry about that. Delano late. Hill, folks. He's going to save us. <laughs> but I guess my point is like they're going to do like a lot of interchangeability among their safeties. And obviously Delano Hill, he's not locked to make the roster even. But mm-hmm. my point is like they could have guys interchange at the other safety spot. And they could have sure. Jeremy Chin playing deep back there on a few snaps. They could have Justin Burris doing the same thing. So yeah. as opposed to last year where they just had Trey Boston being like their deep uh, safety who could patrol like the middle of the field. A- and- absolutely. Yeah. Um, now I think there's a little more uh, versatility involved. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. We, we I don't. I don't either. It it's up. a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up because it it, it gets to Phil Snow's sort of uh, uh, variable scheme that that he does run. I mean, Aaron Rodgers he made the point that it looked like a college defense, and I think that was sort of a backhanded compliment, but it did give him a bit of fits. Um, it's interesting to see how they do align. Chen's tape is so much fun to watch, especially the end zone view because he's. He's all over the place. You see him mug up. Um, you know, PFF does a pretty good job of charting where these guys line up in the secondary. They had him about 237 free safety snaps. Uh, box, 392. Slot, 230 free safety. He said 237. They say D-line. Obviously, that's, you know, just where he's lined uh, on the edge there. Uh, but, yeah, he's been all over the place. He did play quite a bit of free, but – I agree with you. There's been some people that have talked about, I don't think analysts, but the fans and maybe a few goobers on TV and radio say Chin can, can control the deep, you know, that's again, that's, I don't see that. No. And that's not using him to his best, you know, set and traits that like, that's the same thing with Moten using him left tackle instead of right. You're not getting your money worth. You're you're getting your best bang for your buck with Chin. No, I I just, I just cannot get on. I mean, yes, you can do it for a few snaps, especially when they're trying to disguise certain coverages. Right. But no, like Jeremy Chen's best work is matching up with tight ends and man coverage and backs, the line of scrimmage, and then also showing off his ability to cover ground and space yeah. uh, you know, between the 5 to 10-yard area and then obviously blitzing. Now, if you want to call that – I don't think he's strictly a box safety. I think he can do quite a bit. Oh, I yeah. just don't see him as like uh, the guy who has like the fluidity to uh, really cover like a lot of ground back there. That's just not his game. No, it's not. He's he's much better when he's allowed to, to just to be a lot like his uncle was, Steve Headwater, to to thump and to to be a de facto linebacker at times, but also play some spy to to do a number of things. He very much reminds me of Thomas Davis when he came out the first year 
and uh, was very much a joker position type of player for John Fox. It was fun to watch Chin. Uh, obviously, there's some things to improve upon. Uh, Shaq Thompson is still in the mix. And, you know, Shaq is a guy that, you know, Bill, he's just kind of there. I mean, he, he contributes at a, at a high level at times. I think it, it's hard because Luke retires, Thomas gets older. That was your big three, and Thompson was sort of the, the young stud with those three, and I think maybe w- was made to be better by their presence. Uh, I'm not disinterested in his game. I'm not unsatisfied with it. Uh, but there is a price tag involved with his contract, and I do wonder with the emergence of, of Jermaine Carter, it sounds like he's out of Matt Rule's doghouse <laughs> and, and made some good contributions last year. I, I do wonder – what your thoughts are maybe on Jermaine Carter emerging a little more as this defense grows? Um, yeah, again, it's really tough to tell. I mean, the linebackers in this defense aren't really placed with a lot of responsibility. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you can see their flaws exposed immediately if they're not doing their job. And that's what happened with Tahir Whitehead last year. Oh, it was so damn obvious. But too. I, I think, I think, it's a position like where Thompson, he didn't really make that many game changing plays last year, yeah. but he was doing his job. He was pretty, you know, consistent. And I think that's what you want uh, in that role. You don't have to have a Luke Keekley or a Levante David or one of the top tier <laughs> linebackers in the NFL. You don't and need I, that. I think a lot of fans expected that that would be the progression with Shaq as a first round pick, but I never got the sense in watching his game that he was going to immediately elevate to that level and maybe he won't ever because Luke and and even Thomas to a degree are kind of generational guys especially Luke I mean that's you got to manage your expectations on that and to your point you know the packages they run I mean it's it's they're all over the place so like the, the three deep safety stuff and they run a lot of dime um, linebacker to your point is going to be something that is uh, less of a need in terms of uh, you know a, a, a stacked backer playing coverage or playing the run and more of a backer that's going to be considered more of an edge guy, maybe like a Christian Miller, uh, pass rushing type of backers that you can use. I think Shaq's actually a pretty good pass rusher. Um, I think they should yeah, do a little fine. more of that with him. But uh, Yeah, no, I, I think he's a fine pass rusher too. Uh, again, it's, it's something to criticize him for. I just think like when you're discussing this defense and the emphasis of places on the linebackers, I don't really think you're going to expect that – those players to really make game changing plays. Obviously you just want them to be in the right position. And I think for the most part, you know, outside of to hear Whitehead, uh, it, it was a pretty consistent area for all of them, whether it was Shaq or Jermaine Carter. Right. Well, week one's around the corner and you and I had this conversation a couple of days ago and I, I'll say it first that, uh, you know, just I'll put my fan hat back on. Why, why the hell not? Um, Carolina has zero business at home with new field turf, <laughs> a nice hot September day, a fast track, fans crowd in the stadium, pandemic over, with the roster that is better than their opponents, there is no excuse to really lose this game to the New York Jets with the rookie quarterback in. Um, and I look at the matchups here. It's a little early. I get it. There's going to be a preseason. But, you know, you're going to have Jackson, you know, lined up on maybe Mims. You got Davis maybe locking up with Horn. Um, Vera Tucker's the new left guard. They have Becton on the left side, uh, Van Roten in the middle. I mean, overall, it's too early to really project. Um, but in general, is, is it not so important that this team this year 
I mean, the grand scheme, maybe not, but just you know, they've got to get off the blocks at some point. Yeah, and this beat is, a team that's not as good as them, and this is one of those teams. Yeah, certainly, this is a game that they have to win. It's pretty simple as they have a rookie quarterback coming in with a new head coach and a new offense, right? Um, or just a new regime. I mean, this was a two-win team last year, and I mean, I think that they've had a pretty good offseason. But at the end of the day, you have a rookie quarterback making his first start in the road. Um, yeah. You have fans back. You can't use that excuse anymore. There's going to be a should be a decently packed stadium. Oh, I would imagine it's going to be a, a good environment, no question. I, but, I, yeah, no, this is the game you have to win, John. I, I mean, there's really, like, no excuses to, you, to they you, did. You, you really do. And, and you, the, what I've learned over the years just watching every team, but particularly Carolina, is you know, the 2003 comes to mind. You know, I keep going back to the old days. I know everything's different, but Fox in his first year had a similar type of thing going on with, with what Matt Rule did last year. They lost a ton of close games. Uh, the defense came on late, different uh, construction of the offense, obviously a different type of team, different type of philosophy, but in year two, they added some, some core veterans. I, I don't think they've done quite enough yet here, but then again, Jake DeLum was the quarterback and nobody thought he would be starting week one. He jumps in and just feeds the ball to Smith. There is no real way to know if this team can ride that type of wave right now. Finding out that, you know, Tom Brady played the whole year, what, on a torn MCL? Is that what I'm reading? Uh, last yeah, that's what I saw, too. It's fairly remarkable, and <laughs> it speaks to his, uh, you know, I don't know, his greatness, but also the fact that, you know, I, I, look, here's my feelings on the division, and I guess we can kind of wrap it with that. I'm looking forward to doing some division stuff with you, Billy. I know we've talked about getting uh, – a few of our friends back on to preview these teams, but Jameis Winston in, in New Orleans is, is a real cool thing to see because can he, you know, grab Sean Payton's discipline system and not turn the ball over? Can he be all he can be under Sean Payton? I thought he was pretty damn good under Bruce Arians, but the interceptions burned him. Um, Atlanta, I think they're kind of hurting right now. I think they've got some things going on that with a good coach, Arthur Smith, I think maybe he can do some things, but they, you know, they shipped away their franchise player and, they're in cap hell right now. And the, the, the Buccaneers, I'm going to tell you something. Um, and I'm not homering here. They're outstanding. They're stacked. They're talented. I love Bruce Arians. We talked to Sam Farmer, remember, the, right after the Super Bowl, about you know, sitting in the room with him and, and chatting about what a ride it was. And, and, and he's just a fun guy to be around as a coach, I'm sure. But Tom is getting older, and Tom showed some of that rust in that title game with those interceptions. And they nearly lost that game, and that would have been the narrative. Um, and I do think they'll be very good this year and they'll probably win the division. I, I just think Carolina, really, it's, it's like anything else, Billy. John Fox's teams were so good in the division. The division was a little different then. But if one time they were 15 and six, they won six or seven straight in New Orleans. Uh, even with Sean Payton there, they won some of those. It's just really important, among anything else, to, to sort of start winning in the division again. And, and I'm curious to, to get your thoughts as we close out on – just from a distance here before training camp, uh, your early impressions on those three teams, where do you think they're heading? You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like I, I could be like, I'm obviously in the minority here, but I feel like Tampa bringing everyone back was, while it was very impressive, I also feel like, why would <laughs> you want to stay? Why would you want to be stagnant? It felt, like a, it felt like a Marty Herney move. Yeah, like, uh, like it's very impressive that they brought back all their players, and those are good players. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like, 
now you have teams like have seven, not even 17, like what, 20 <laughs> weeks of game tape Billy, on that point. roster. That's it. I've and, never heard it said that. That's a great point, though. And they're going to know exactly what they're going to do offensively and defensively. They're going to know exactly the tendencies of all those players. Why not try to switch it up? I mean, the only guy they really went after, uh, Giovanni Bernard, I thought he was a, <clears throat> a very good pickup, but it, he's like a you know, third down running back. He's a part-time player. Yeah, uh, I like their draft. I like Tryon and Jalen Darden, and um, you know we'll see. If Kyle Trask isn't going to play, but I, I, mean, I did like Tryon quite a bit, so that was a mm-hmm. uh, a good one. But yeah, I just I was a little confused. But I mean, regardless, their roster is still excellent, and I expect them to win a division, probably eleven to twelve wins, something along those lines. And I'm um, just going through it. I, I see, you know, to me in. I think that New Orleans has the best roster in the division. Agreed. But there's a big question mark at quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen with Taysom or Jameis, but I don't know, man. I feel like they're a 9-10 to 10 win team. I think the if... minute Jameis gets careless, and he will because he does. It's just in his, it's in his DNA, but he's very good, though, when he plays like that. He can throw 45 touchdowns. But, you know, Sean Payton is Bill Parcells and reincarnate. He won't tolerate it. I, I totally agree. He'll he'll pull him out. He'll pull his ass out, and he'll run you know a, a modified version of the 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 read zone option stuff with with Taysom, and they'll hope he can make moderate improvements with his passing. But the minute Jameis, if he starts having four or five interception games, Sean's going to make the the puckered up face like you've never seen. He's going to pull his ass out. He won't <laughs> tolerate. It. He won't. He you know, like I mean I I studied Sean Payton's career as much as anybody because I'm a Parcells freaknik and I love studying his tree of guys. And Sean Payton took a lot of the Parcells-isms with him. And, and, and Parcells even said on record that he basically took everything I taught him and just fancied it up on offense and added some innovations. But from a discipline standpoint, it's, Parcells would yank Sims out and he would make him sit if he screwed around and played that type of football. Um, and Sean loves to to pound the rock too. So I mean, I mean, it's not like Taysom is any better. That's the thing. I I I will say this: if if he can, it's really down to Jameis just being diligent and playing better, smarter football, not taking too many chances. Because all you have to do is do that, and you can hold off what basically ends up being a wishbone quarterback. Um, Taysom's arm is terrible. I mean, it, for for somebody who's considered to be the the next starter. Some of his, you know, post routes are god awful. Um, yeah, and I mean, just to close it out, Atlanta, I think, is a pretty. I don't know. They're they're definitely. I think roster wise, they're better in Carolina at this stage. But mm-hmm. coaching, I think that Arthur Smith's a really good coach. So I think that they'll have seen improvement there. Yeah. I mean, roster wise, I'd probably say they're about even with Carolina. I shouldn't say they're better. They're about even. They keep forgetting Julio's not there anymore. Um, yeah, I think that that's a bit of a. I mean, they got Ridley, but I mean, part of what made Ridley go was the fact that he had the the isolation there. I mean, you could argue either way. I, I can see people arguing that Carolina's roster is better, and I can see people arguing Atlanta. Uh, so I'm just going to say it's even, just to remove all doubts. I, I want to keep believing Carolina's roster is like playoff ready, but I, I have to correct myself when I I remember their yeah keys. I, I, I do think I do think the Atlanta coaching staff is pretty good. Uh, I think they'll. I think Arthur Smith is a really good coach, and I think that they will have uh, quite a bit of success um, offensively and defensively. I mean, they hired Dean Pease. I think if you listen to 
I mean, Coach Vass, he's a huge Dean Pease oh, fan. Oh, yeah, the Vass interview with Pease was great. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. He, um, the Minnesota guy, he's still, he's really, obviously, he's an older guy now, but, uh, and that Atlanta defense does not have very much talent. But I think if there's anyone who could um, turn that collection of players into something like league average, then that's oh, Dean God, Pease. Yeah. I mean, he's still got Grady inside. He's formidable. Deion Jones is an extremely good uh, – They have a lot of speed on defense. It's no, just, they don't. They hold up, you know, the line of scrimmage. They have John Kaminsky, who, by the way, most famously was taken for a 30-yard ride by Taylor Moten on tape. That's, that's my favorite clip of all time where he just drives him down the field four yards. Um, yeah, you know, Dean Pease has been around. He, he was, like you say, did won some games with New England, won a Super Bowl, I believe, with Baltimore. Um Hell of a coach. I mean, he's up there with like the Dick LeBeaus and, and and some of these guys that have run unique systems over the years. I mean, they've got Matt Ryan. They've got our old guy, Mike Davis, in the backfield. Uh, you know, Mike is who he is. Good job here. Did, did great work. But he's going to give you about what he gives you. And it's the, the, the passing game really will probably be what they lean on there along with Hayden Hurst. I, I, I It's too early to tell. I just think it'll be interesting to see Ridley, you know, Julio had been hampered at a time with injuries. I get that. But I, I still like full strength. Julio Jones scares me about as much as anybody out there. Um, I, he is so good. And he's so damn uh, big. He just – he and him with AJ now. God, what's scary, Billy? I mean, that's a scary duo. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty good, man. Pretty nutty. No, no excuses anymore. I mean, Tannehill's improved quite a bit. Trust me, he's, he's gotten there. But uh, – He's, he's loaded now. Well, there's kind of a division outlook for you guys. Um, we'll dive deeper as we get closer to the training camp, of course. And, uh, again, the, the big news with the Panthers, Taylor Moten. I'm checking the wire now as we record this on a Friday, Bill, and make sure we're not missing any of the breaking news, which we're not. Taylor Moten is a Panther through 2025, making that $43 million guaranteed uh, at signing, which is great for him and uh, great for everybody that loves the Carolina Panthers. Billy, enjoyed it, man. Hey, man. Appreciate doing this again. No problem. Uh, my man is on vacation next week. I just came off mine, so we're going to um, probably get one more show in, and uh, Billy's going to take a little time for some R&R, and we'll get back after it with some training camp coverage right here on Blue Wire, the Roar Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.